You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. For a recent feature here on Once Upon a Turnbuckle, I reached out into various Facebook groups um, of uh, classic wrestling fans for um, fans who would be interested in appearing on the show who may have seen some sort of major events, some some key angles um, in wrestling history live in person to talk about them. The result was um, episode 13 which um, was codenamed the, the the Facebook fans. It was the second part of my feature. I was there when, and the uh, the three that I included in that episode, the three guys I spoke to, um, all their separate interviews were were so great. It was so much fun. And besides the the key points that I picked out of the interviews to put into that episode in particular. There was some other great stuff that came up in the, my conversations with him, so I decided that each of them really deserved to uh, to be released um, as an episode in their own right. So, what you'll uh, what you see in this this three part feature is these interviews in full with these guys, and I'm hoping this will become more of a regular thing as well because I realised how much fun it is to to talk to fellow fans. So uh, so here we are, the uh, the Facebook fans uncut feature so uh, for part three I got to speak to a fellow Brit and a fellow podcaster um, Paul McGrath and this one in particular was was so awesome it has led to us um, doing uh, recording another joint episode since which will be um, coming up next week so yeah enjoy this one with Paul McGrath so you know welcome in, in, <laughs> in whatever sense I can um, how did you um so i mean f- first off you know do a little bit of an intro for yourself because you're a podcaster in that as well I'll, I'll i'll let you plug your own podcast at the end to, to uh, sort of, you know send send people you know your way but um yeah. just just sort of give us a flavor where you you know who you are where you grew up and how you got into wrestling so what, what, what time was it what was going on so i was uh i remember it since uh, the first event i remember was wrestlemania 9 uh, or the build up to WrestleMania 9, uh, which was obviously the Bret Hart, Owen Hart, uh, Yokozuna, Lexi Luger kind of era. So that's where I first remember. I mean, I remember prize at the Hogan and Matcha, but the real actual pay yeah. that I remember was that one. Um, I always had a love for the theatre of it. Um, the style of telling the story and the good guys and the bad guys are really 
really enjoyed and i think that wrestlemania nine yeah the, other, the eight it was eight it was, yeah it was no hold on i'm sorry it was, it was WrestleMania. 10 with yeah, it was nine i remember yes it was WrestleMania nine, and i remember because i remember staying up on the sofa um really late to watch it and it was awful and i remember <laughs> being on 10 at the time and i'm thinking oh i stayed up for this long this is so rubbish mm. um and i kind of dropped out probably after wrestlemania 11 I dropped out for a, a good couple of years. Um, you start getting more into football and to girls and other stuff, and it's not cool to like wrestling, so you no. kind of retreat a little bit into into that. But my brother and my best pal, they 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 watched it, and my best pal used to come to my house and watch it with my brother, who was like eight years younger than me. But he used to do have Sky Sports, and they used to watch it. And I remember sitting in the sitting room, and I was doing some like reading a book or doing some homework. And on the background, it was Austin and Rock, and it was, it was Capital Carnage. Um, and I oh, was a Vinnie Jones one. Was that Mayhem in Manchester? It could, uh, no, Mayhem in Manchester, I don't think it was televised. But no, I think you're right. Capital Carnage rings the bell. I, I remember watching that. And Vinnie Jones came out, and I was like, what's he doing? And then my mate was telling me, oh, he's doing this, and this is The Rock, and this is Austin. And all of a sudden, I clicked back into it. Oh, cool. And it was just like nonstop from there. I used to queue up... Um, in, uh, I went to Sheffield events, Liverpool, Manchester, Norwich, and I used to queue up for about a week outside the venues. And there was a cluster of about 12 or 15 of us that you would we'd meet every six months to go to a show and every six months to queue up for the next set of tickets. And oh. um, it was brilliant. It was, it was such a good community. This is obviously before the internet, but the community was amazing. Mm. So we used to rock up. Um, at Owls Court was the, 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 one of the best ones because they had an underground area. Yeah. And because they didn't want people out on the street, they used to go underground. It was generally quite cold when we used to go. So it was the best place to have some actual um, roof over your head, apart from yeah. the rain. And we used to go there on probably a Monday evening and queue up until the Friday where the tickets were released to get front row seats. And then you had like, the group of ticket touts that everyone knew the ticket touts, but no one could admit were the ticket touts and they yeah. wouldn't really speak to anyone. But it was a real collectiveness about us all. Um, and obviously it went online and it ruined it because it was just you didn't have to queue up anymore yeah. so I, yeah i used to queue up and used to get tickets and um when i got to about 16 i think it was in sheffield was the first one i went to i stayed in the hotel the wrestler stayed in because i got into that you know okay. mark mode where i was like oh you know let's find out where they're staying and the rumors that the group of us would all kind of social around oh, let's stand this one let's stand this one and then we found some we stayed there um so it was nice because on two occasions we went to the hotel and had drinks with the wrestlers after wow um because uh, quite quite a few of the girls will be known as ring rats now, um, were part of the group that used to hang up. So Stevie Richards used to have quite a good relationship with a girl called Anne Harrod. Um, so when she was in the U, he was in the UK, he used to hook up with tickets, and so she called let us know what hotel they was at. So I was really into it. Yeah. Um, and then at fifteen, I started training to do um, Greco-Roman wrestling, and I did that for eighteen months. Wow. Uh, and transitioned to pro wrestling. Um, um, never had a, a competitive match, but I really got the bug of like the movement and yeah. again the excitement behind it. Um, but in my first, I mean, third training session, I took a power bomb and I fractured my sternum, dislocated my shoulder, and broke a toe. And I had work the next day as a football coach, so obviously needing parts of my body to be able to coach was quite important. Yeah, uh, and I, I done about three more sessions off that, and then I thought I, I can't risk doing this it's just no. too too much but i work with jody uh, jody fleish um who's an independent wrestler been around for a long time um he worked at the, yeah he's worked at the gym uh, that i used to go to in, in the west way 
so yeah i've always had a connection with it i just yeah loved, loved it ever since the big event we went to um was wrestlemania 25 as like the big granddaddy of them all yeah. um and that was the, the the last one we went to and the last WWE one went to at least so that's that's a good segue into what i was i was going to ask you about actually so out of um, I've spoken to a few people so far and they've, they've all seen, you know, varying shows, you know, some have seen house shows and pay-per-views and that. And I, uh, I interviewed Radzi a couple of weeks ago from uh, NXT UK. And one thing he said is you have to see a WrestleMania. And I mean, you can probably vouch for that then, you know, how, how we see how big WrestleMania is on the screen, but what's it like in person? Do you know, do you know what? Um, I've been to WrestleMania 25. My brother went to one uh, a couple of years later. WrestleMania 29 or 30, you might have gone to. It was the Brandy Orton uh, versus Bray Wyatt, where they had the silly CGI on the bloody oh. candle. Yeah. Um, Nothing later, but that's the one he went to. And um, But I probably wouldn't... Now I wouldn't be able to go to the two-night one if they'd, they'd done that. I mean, it's, it's, it's so intense. Going to WrestleMania mm-hmm. is so intense as a fan because... We went to Texas and we did uh, five nights and we thought, oh, we'll go and do this. We'll go and do that. Maybe see a bit of this. You, you, it, you can't do anything. You just right. sucked into WrestleMania. And um, this was before NXT was around. So we booked to see Mania and we'd done the, at the time it was the platinum package. Um, no, it was the gold package. It was the one behind it was a gold package. And you didn't get the seat and it wasn't guaranteed front row. It was the tier behind that because the price was quite dramatic. Mm. But looking at the price of my brother paid and what they are now, I mean, we paid about £900 for yeah. tickets, flights, accommodation. I think now it's like thousands of pounds. That's quite so, reasonable, yeah. Yeah, it was, I, I couldn't believe how cheap it was in what you got. And that was the access, the Hall of Fame, an autograph sign-in, um, WrestleMania and... Uh, there was one other thing. It was the, it was like another signing thing that you can go to. We didn't go to that one because we went to the Ring of Honor event the night before. Oh, okay. oh, um, so when you have WrestleMania, it becomes a real cl- uh, uh, an area where wrestling just takes over the whole city. So you've got WWE events now. You have WWE, NXT, New Japan. Back then it was Ring of Honor. So you had a Ring of Honor. There was Booker T on his um, signing. So basically it was like a Legends of Wrestling signing event. And Sting was there. Kevin Nash, Jake the Snake, Mick Foley, DDP, wow. Chrissy Hemi. There were so many people that were there. And we just found it by chance. And it was like $100 to go in. And then you paid for your autographs. Yeah. So the, the day we get in, first thing we're doing that. And you're queuing up and you're seeing these guys. And then you have a bit, bit, bit of food. And you think, well, I've got to be up in the morning. because you've got access in the morning. And it's our chance to go and see a signing with free people. Mm-hmm. So you're up in the morning, you're doing that. Then in the afternoon, you go, right, we'll have a bit of lunch. There's a, an exhibition on. We'll go and see that. So then it was the Hall of Fame the next night. And you think, right, well, we can't go out tonight because we're going to do the Hall of Fame. So it just consumes you. Um, and then we luckily enough, we got to see a Ring of Honor show the night before Mania, which was the crowd was electric, just brilliant. So in terms of around WrestleMania, brilliant. There was so much to as a wrestling fan as a, as a mark. And it was just phenomenal just to have so much knowledge given to you. And being in a, in a place where everyone's on the same page. Because obviously when you go to wrestling events, you kind of go in, you go out, and you kind of you're traveling there, but no one really is a wrestling fan necessarily. It's going there. Everyone is consumed by it. Yeah. Um, the event itself, it was very, very, very long, and that was only a four-hour show. Yeah, so that's seven we, hours or something else. Stu, isn't it, with a, all the frills on it? 
it's hurt. I, it definitely hurt the, the event because when we went, uh, the pre-show was a couple of matches. We kind of was there for it, but we wasn't really engaged in it because we wanted to kind of save ourselves. I've never been a fan of outdoor arenas having events of, of wrestling because the light part of it where it's like doesn't feel like a real big event. Yeah. When the dust sets in and you get that, that I think that's why WrestleMania eight, I had such a sorry, nine. I was so unhappy with it because it just felt like it was in daytime. It felt I, I like I found that really weird. Think. That was the first one again that I'd seen outside. And I think the bit that really sticks with me is the early part of the card where like you've got the Steiners and the head shrinkers and it's broad daylight and you can see yeah you know it's like there's a breeze and stuff as they're standing there and the hair's going away it's just it's, it's weird it's it, it drew me to, yeah, yeah it was it, it attracted me to it in a way because it was different but mm. yeah as an event it gets slated for one reason or another i've heard as well like the acoustics you lose a lot of that you lose a lot of the crowd from you know in an out, outdoor one um i know Definitely. some of the, some of, the, some of the wrestlers I've heard who have actually said they it was different for them because they don't they draw on that noise and then they can. Yeah. do you pick do you, do you pick that up as a as a fan did it did it just not have the same sort of atmosphere as being inside I tell you what it was yes and no English fans are the most apart from I would say Philadelphia but back in the day you went and saw a, a WWE event a live show a TNA and over here, it was three hours of intense. The fans would be on it from the start to the end, and you were drained after. You was physically and mentally and just vocally out of it. Yeah. And that was three hours. Um, when you watch shows in America, you used to get the odd bit, but it was nowhere near as good for the crowd. So when we went to Maine, obviously I think 80, 90,000 people there. It wasn't quiet mm. because it, it's so vast. There's so many people. But there was a lot of lulls where the people were still making noise, but you're thinking it's noisy, but I can't really hear it. It's not that, that apart from the Taker HBK fight, which was just the whole match was just up there for yeah. noise the whole way through. But you do sense that bit of loss to the it's intimacy. The Ring of Honor event the night before had, I don't know, two and a half, three thousand people. And I would say the rabidness and the intensity of that was different to Mania. Two very different experiences. One was seeing, like, going to a pop concert, and one was going to an event where you felt every every move, you you felt everything that was going on from start to finish. So it's just different, different feelings, I suppose. And it's very much in the making of wrestling and sports entertainment. Yeah. I, I would almost say in, in those two audiences. It sounds like a trip to WrestleMania. It sounds like just uh, it's like planning a trip to Disney World. You know, with everything that's going on. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, just, I mean, I now definitely... it's so expensive. But we, we, when we got to the arena, because we had this, the floor seats, we wasn't too sure where we were going. And I, my, my brother and my best pal, and we got there. And I knew the seats were quite good. They had no idea. Because I said, oh, they'll be okay. You know, we'll be mid-range. And I knew they'd be quite decent. And we come out at the stadium. You're right at the top, basically. Right at the top. And we're like, oh, he's like, oh, are we here? And I was like, no, 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 we're not here. We're further down. I'm walking down to like barrier number two. And he's like, oh, we here. I was like, no, no, more down. <laughs> done this about five times. And we got down to near enough the floor. He's like, we're not here, are we? I was like, yeah, we're just there on the floor. And he's like, how much do we pay for this? I was like, yeah, I know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? How much we That's pay? Awesome. Um, it was brilliant. And being, so I'm not a VAT fan because when I went to the UK shows, I was always the first two rows, always, or I wouldn't go. Same as football. I like to sit in certain areas in football pitches or UFC or boxing. 
otherwise I just don't see the point of going. No. Because I want to be able to visualise and see everything that's happening. When I went to Wembley 92 for SummerSlam, I was, I don't know, eight or nine, I was in the rafters. You know, every, you know you, there was ants wrestling, but the intensity and that feeling and the memories because of the age you are, mm. is completely different. But once you go to a wrestling event and you sit front row, yeah, very hard to go anywhere else. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned SummerSlam. So I, I am... Uh, my cousin went to SummerSlam 92 and I've said it many times on this podcast, the one thing that I'm very, very jealous of that he was there and I'm trying to get him on for this show. Um, I think it might be, it might be another, another show that I end up doing with him, but uh, that's all I've always wanted to talk to someone who was there, you know, because yeah. that event, even you watch it back now and the electricity, I don't know whether it's just cause you know, as British wrestling fans are very proud of the fact that such an event was there. I mean, compare that I suppose to WrestleMania, what was that like? But what was it like on that night, knowing you were seeing, whether you knew it at the time, one of the greatest wrestling matches in history with Bret and the Bulldog? You know what? It's, I'm, I'm disappointed I was so young, I think yeah. is the answer. Because, I mean, I didn't know I was going to the event. I remember seeing the build-up to it on TV and everything. And then I remember on the day my dad and my dad's best friend was, oh, we're just going to go somewhere. I was like, oh, okay, fine. We'll go. And I was like, we'll get this soon, we'll get this soon. And then like, we got up to Wembley, I was like, oh my God, it's down. we're here. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, we were in the bleachers. I mean, we were miles yeah. up at the top, as mm -hmm. said. But I, I remember it so vividly. I remember when The Undertaker came out and the dong, yeah. and it was like shivers. And like, even my dad, who's like, it was all fake or whatever. We were like, oh, I've got hair standing up here. You know, it was really, the intensity yeah. was amazing. And I've watched that page be back so many times because it, when it got released on, I think UK video it didn't include the dark matches um, so it was, it, it, was it, it had extra matches on there that you didn't get on the American one but they were all the, the order was completely mismatched like you'd get yeah. where it was like nearly dark and then you'd go back to broad daylight again so yeah but yeah no, I, I, very bizarre. when I I look back I don't know if I saw an American recording of it or I read the review or something and I was like where the hell are all these matches gone that I've seen on because I'm trying to think which ones they were. Like Jim Even the DVD release, when Silvervision released the DVD, it didn't have dark matches. No, was that like the ones where you got the six man with Jim Duggan and Bushwhackers and Mountie yeah. and Nasty Boys and uh, yeah. what else did you have? I don't know if El Matador and Papa Shunga was a dark match or whether that was actually... Dark match, yeah, that was yeah. dark match, yeah. I like those And ones. they went on the Silvervision one and I was like, I'm sure there was more matches than this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And then when the network, I think even on the W network, I don't even know if they're all on that one on the SummerSlam version. I think, so I think you've lost what there. But yeah, the, 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 I mean, I remember afterwards you could have a picture of Bulldog, but he wasn't there. It was right. a superimposed screen that you put your arm around like this and it was like the photo got taken. You're standing next to a British Bulldog standing like that. And you're like, oh, I met British Bulldog. I met him. Yeah, I met him. It's my, oh, and it's just like, you know, it's just Brilliant. bonkers. But it was one of the greatest matches, I think. In, yeah. in, in I've, I've been very fortunate because at WrestleMania 25, I believe it was the best match ever at WrestleMania, which was Undertaker Shawn Michaels won. Yeah. And then obviously at SummerSlam was the greatest match in SummerSlam history and arguably in wrestling was with Hart and, and Bulldog. Yeah. And so I've been very fortunate to be at two fantastic matches. I think maybe I should go to more events and be more world-class matches that I, I can I think, be part I think, of. I think your, your presence probably inspires them to have good matches. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would suggest you get back out there so that they can be the turn <laughs> of the rubbish that they've got at the minute. But um, 
going back to WrestleMania for a second. Um, so before we dissect the rest of the, I won't go into like detail with the rest of the card, just really what you remember of it. But this being like a classic wrestling podcast, obviously what I, the one thing I do try and tune into at some point, you know, at least keep up with each year is the, the hall of fame just to obviously see, you know, who of my era were, you know, is going in there. Who was it your year when you went to see that? Um, Austin was the main person. Um, there was Coco Beware, Steve Austin, Harley Race. Harley Race, I think, was possibly uh, as well. It was, it was quite a decent... Uh, it was funny with the, with, with the Hall of Fame because it was still quite newish being this whole... having the fans in attendance. Mm. But on the letter, it says, and quite clearly, it's very strict. It was like, suit and tie and pants must be worn or won't be admitted to the event. So I brought a suit out with me because that was, it was really clear. That's what you've got to wear. So I got dressed up thinking, right, I'll put a suit on and a tie. And, you know, it's obviously a quite a formal event. Mm. And I got to the, the arena and I was like, well, no one's wearing, they're all wearing like jeans and hoodies and t-shirts. And it's in Texas, so it's boiling hot. Oh, no. um, and I was like, this is a bit. And then I was literally, there was me and my mate, we're the only two people in there wearing anything close to what they told us to wear. On the on the entry card, so I don't know why they did that, but it was a again, it was a good a good experience. It was yeah. um, a long night again because it's kind of a it's a, about a six hour event um, from start to finish. So it's it's again it's when you go you finish. We thought I oh, will be done by half eight. We're gonna have a, a bit of a, uh, a drink and then we'll just head back. People got out there, got caught to eleven, and we were just shattered <laughs> after that because you're still cheering and yeah. listening intently. That's why I said. It is an amazing experience, and it's, but it's exhausting. Very, very. And now you've got Raw and NXT and everything else that goes alongside it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's blown up. I think looking back, I made this comment, I think, when I, again, the other week when I was uh, talking to Radzi about WrestleMania. Going back to WrestleMania 1 and to the, the, the first few, it was very, very obvious that, that he was trying to amalgamate wrestling with celebrity. Um, he's had a few pitfalls in the middle where it's a bit questionable but I, it's almost like now he's taken over and he's putting on some broadway or west end worthy you know theater production every year yeah you know so he's almost crossed over which is very smart but he, he's made wrestlemania something way bigger than i ever thought it i thought it would be i mean it was huge when i was growing up but yeah 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 when you say intense i think that's 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 probably the impression i get the other thing is, I think if you, when you go to WrestleMania, the amount of fans that have they've gone for that one event, um, and from all around the world, they come in. It's a bit. I mean, they go. It's their Super Bowl in terms of think a spectator, a spectator. Mm. But in terms of, I don't think of any other event or any other, anything like it brings so many people from other countries for one day or one event. Yeah. And on top of that. I think what's quite impressive is how many fans watch it, pay for it on pay-per-view, go to the event, who are not wrestling fans anymore. But they go in and dip their toe in for WrestleMania because it, it, it is always going to be a good event. Yeah. Um, and I think that's quite... In, 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 in what he's done and achieved, that is, is quite impressive with mm. what he's done. There's no doubt about it. I mean, your podcast, my podcast, it's all about areas where we grew up in, you know, the 80, uh, late 80s, early 90s, or more most of the 90s so anything in our era is going to be perceived as better films tv 
anything yeah. because yeah. we lived in an age where we weren't paying a mortgage. We didn't have any kids. We weren't married. Women weren't really a thing at nine to 14. Um, so your sole focus were your passions, were your interests, football, wrestling, TV, movies, whatever. And I, I, I've likened it to Saturday Night TV in the UK. Saturday Night TV years ago, and we did this at Christmas last year, and I went on YouTube and I looked at the, I found a t TV guide for Saturday in, around Christmas. And it was Big Break, Noel's House Party, um, Stars in Their Eyes, Gladiators, and Blind Date. Yeah. And I said, well, these are the best. It's much better in this year in, the, in, in Saturday Night TV. And then I looked at the guide, and we, we, we watched Saturday Night TV, as you know now as a parent. Saturday nights are now staying in lockdown, <laughs> or no lockdown. Um, and I said, oh, actually, I looked at like, like okay, so Gladiator has been replaced by um, The Wall, or whatever that show's called. Is it... Um, the, what's it called they do the gauntlet i can't remember what it's called like ninja warrior ninja warriors that's it replaced yeah. with that so same thing ninja warriors stars and rise is now replaced by x factor or whatever other one they want to do yeah i said Noel's house yeah. is a ant and deck i said actually like most things it everything's rehashed it's just different because i didn't live in my best period through it and i compare wrestling to that I, now with wrestling i don't watch it at all apart from reading the odd thing mm. And I used to watch the four, four big pay-per-views every year. So obviously it was SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Raw Rumble. Yeah. And I would watch the Raws around Rumble to Mania. I'd kind of dip in for them. Yeah. But the last four years, I haven't. Because I just, I've watched the Manias. Uh, yes, well, I, I, I won't watch this year's Mania because I've just got, I'm so dis, disengaged from the product yeah. now. I just don't have yeah. any time for it. But my brother, who's a big wrestling fan, he still watches it. And the argument we always have quite constantly is when AEW came around, he was a big advocate of AEW. And I was like, oh, another company would be great. I said, but the problem is now is that the fan base for wrestling from where we grew up, it was quite a solid fan base. Mm. I said, and the wrestling told stories and there was different types of skills of wrestling. You had the shoot wrestler, you had the hardcore wrestler, the technical wrestler, the jobbers. You, the, 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 the high flyers, the, the, the mechanics. You had such a different variation of types of wrestlers. I said, now, everyone's the same. You have the odd person that does something, mm. but all the same. It's quite vanilla. Yeah. And I, again, I, I can use UFC as a good example. UFC, early 2000, 2004, 2007, when you had uh, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, it was wrestler versus boxer. It was someone at a ground of a bit of MMA, a bit of... Um, to ditch you, uh, a bit of karate, but it wasn't well-rounded. You had your style, and that's what you had. Whereas you watch UFC now, very much like WWE. Everyone is so well-rounded, and it's quite boring because there are no specialists in anything anymore. And I think that's what our era, the golden era, had, was that every, not even personality, but type of match could be different and to tell a story in a different way, which now we've lost. Yeah. Yeah, I was going off, off top slightly there. No, no, <laughs> so. I, I completely agree with that. And I, um, I'm just trying to think when it was. Tracing it back, when I stopped really caring about what was going on so much was when WCW went out of business. Because I kind of felt, well, there's not really much point now mm. because the, the WWE, eventually is going to do whatever he wants to do. He's got no competition. It's going to be boring. And to be fair, he had the opportunity to do something really special. Oh, it's a whole other episode we can do, which we'll probably, oh, I'll get you back on to talk about that, I think, yeah, because we God. can probably hash that out. But he, he oh. could have gone any way with that. And he took the gutter route. He, there's no need. 
you know he could yeah. be, but still making millions out of keeping them both going but anyway um i i had a soft spot for wcw because when i first yeah. started out i started out it was 1988 a few few pay-per-views from 1988 are the ones that i re- i st- that got me into WWF. Not long after that, I got some of the early 90s WCW with Sting, Lex Luger, Ron Simmons, Vader. Yeah. And I probably, at the time, watched that as much as I was watching the WWF ones because it was different. Yep. It's complete. There, yep. there was a real gulf between the two, but they were both entertaining. And then, obviously, 96 came along and WCW steamed ahead. Um, it got exciting. And then all of a sudden, it just fizzled out. There's nothing left. So I was, you know, I, I I think they've had, by the looks of it, some good glimmers in the last sort of 15 years, but nothing on a patch of what. And that's not me just being biased. No, you, you are spot on. I, I remember watching ITV, and again, at 2 a.m. in the morning, I mean, it used to be on after Get Stuffed and Gladiators on ITV was WCW. Yeah. And obviously you had to record it and, you know, time it to get it right. Yeah. And I remember the first memory of WCW was uh, Ron Simmons, winning the world championship because Same, it was an yeah. ITV. Yeah. yeah, the first thing, and I was like, oh, and, and it was a black person as well, which it was quite strange at that time in, in wrestling. I was, I was like, oh, this is quite different. Mm. And then you had Van Vader with his big um, mastodon head. It was scary. Uh, thing. It, was, it was amazing. And I, I went to see them at the Royal Albert Hall, and that would have been, oh, it was 93, I think it might have been. Okay. They came over. Um, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the dreaded, 97 i think they came over and it was and uh, no one came with them it was like literally they right. ring crew and bob from around the corner they got to wrestle <laughs> there was loads of people up in arms about it it was sting was there kevin nash was there wow. it was he was oz at the time when he was there oh wow um, okay yeah going back when it was they came over but yeah wsw i'm I've, i'm a big fan of wsw i'm a bit of a uh, yeah wsw head a lot of my friends used to mock me about it you know because the whole run-ins and the endings yeah. but I've watched on the network now, WW, and I get angry at how they went out of business. Just it's still now, and I've read all the every book on WW, the death of WW. Um, there's an interesting one uh, about the finances and how the deal of WW and Nitro, how it all worked, um, and that's really good because it goes down and breaks a lot of stuff that Eric Bischoff has said comes out in this book to be quite truthful in terms of how the uh, company got bought out and people wanted to foul and it just mm. ruined the company. And it really angers me that, that Bischoff never got his hands on it. But again, that's kind of going off. But I was a big WCW fan. I, I think competition is good. It's ne- Once he bought WCW, wrestling was dead and mm. sports entertainment was the only thing left, really. And I think he's done. And that's fine. He makes billions of pounds. As a businessman, you can't argue with anything he does. No. doesn't need to appeal to the fans because that people are going to watch it for what it is and sell merchandise on the back of it. Exactly. And I think he's getting new, new fans all the time, because like you said about, um, you know, watching the big ones or people gravitate to WrestleMania, even if they're not a fan. I think if you're thinking about um, whether, you know, giving wrestling a go, WrestleMania has probably got to be the one thing that you go into because you'll get a great picture of whether you like it or not on a completely massive scale. So yeah. um, it's good that there's more competition now coming through, you know, AEW, I think could potentially end up as another impact because they just seem to be, they're not got a lot of their own, own grown talent. They seem to be relying on pulling people. Oh, from the past again. Yeah. AEW is. 
I wanted you know it what? to be great when it came out, and the more I see these guys like the big show and Christian in the last couple of weeks, yeah. I'm like they've done exactly what they said they wouldn't do. And yeah. I said to everyone, my brother again, he goes to all shows. He's been to Japan. He's been everywhere. He, he's a proper just into it. I mean, even more than I was. Mm. And he's a big advocate of, of AEW and, and and even Impact and um, NWA. But I said to him at the beginning, I was like, all the stuff they're promising is impossible. You can't do that. You can't go. I'm not going to have them talent. I'm not. I'm not going to. They're going to do a pay structure and all this stuff. It's just not realistic. And the women are paid the same as the men. And all. it was all nice in theory. It was all cotton candy. But when you come down to the, the, the balls around the business, it doesn't work like that. You can't, you, at the end of the day, and this is what, going on to TNA, because TNA was, if you go back and watch old Impacts, like the hours, when Impact was an hour, and Russo was booking, it was an hour, hour show. At the end of every episode, you wanted more. Yeah. You was, and they got about 1.1, 1.2 million in their peak. Um, which AEW getting now. So it's not like it's that impressive with the amount of money AEW spent mm. compared to what TNA's uh, spending was. But wrestling's always been the same. And WCW did it, WWE do it, and they all do it. Nobody buys wrestling events for the undercard. And I think that's proven. You, you might, that's the best events. WCW did the best of matches with the undercard. But I like, like boxing. It's the names that draw. And you knew in WCW, you had Kevin Nash versus Jeff Jarrett. It's a load of rubbish. <laughs> you buy it because Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett. You wouldn't have bought it if it was Conan versus Rey Mysterio. No. Just wouldn't. And, no. and TNA had, the, had a perfect balance. And I wish Tony Khan was in, would have bought Impact years ago when he had an infrastructure and a time slot. And he was Joe, AJ, Daniels, uh, LAX. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can go on and on and on of the talent they had. And the talent couldn't get on the show. Yeah. And then you go, the main event was Sting, Kevin Nash. You know, they're the people that put the names, eyeballs on it. And then you progress and AJ becomes an, a name and, and Smojo yeah. becomes a name. And, and VW, they tried doing that. And it hasn't, I, I don't think it's worked. No. There's only so many independent wrestling fans to tune into that product. Yeah. And they, for them to grow, they need fans like me and you who used to watch it to dip in and go, oh, I like this. Yeah. Sting coming back, uh, a big show, Cage. These are the things you think, oh, okay, all right. Let me have all oh, shows then. Okay, I'll, I'll tune in. Take them three names out. I'll, I'll be like, no, I'm not really interested anymore. No, no, they'd just be another. And they are more and more indies are popping up and getting exposure these days, but they would just be another one lost in the shuffle. I mean, the one thing I suppose I really going off on a tangent but going back to sort of things like TNA and Impact when they were advertising it was like WCW did in the, in the, the, the last years they had where it was people like Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, Sid at the top I was like these were good back in 1995 96 if you were seeing that then these guys unfortunately are way past being able to carry a main event I feel you know, mm -hmm. by themselves um, yeah which is great to see these young guys like AJ and that come through, you know, and still be used and, and, and break through like that. Um, still good to see them doing it now, but they get into that point themselves where they're getting past their peak. You know, who is it that's going to follow them? Joe, you know, you know what I listened to, I listened to Undertaker. I was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple mm. months ago back. And I only just listened to it. And he said something that really struck a chord. And I was like, God, he's right. And he said, the attitude era, he said, if you look at the guys of the attitude era, Foley, Undertaker, Triple H, uh, Austin Rock. He said, we all kind of, he said, I stuck around, but we all disappeared very quickly at the same time. Yeah. If you, if you go back and look at it, you think, God, I didn't really, I, I never looked at 
Foley, Triple H just did around and Undertaker. But Undertaker was a far reduced schedule. Yeah. Back in the Attitude Era and a different character. And Triple H was the linchpin. But Rock, Austin, Foley, um, uh, there was a few mid mid undercard people you could say that just stopped, disappeared. Yeah. They retired. Yeah. And he said there was a, there was a, there was what was the word? It was, it was glue and uh, same with glue and sand. Is that like you had all the the sand coming through, but there was no glue to stick it because yeah. we all left at the same time. So all of a sudden, you had young guys being taught by young guys. Yeah. So John Cena was coming up and was learning from someone like Angle. Not saying Angle's not a good example. Yeah. But in terms of being around the business for a long time, and and then you're thinking, God, you're right. Then people came under Cena, like Roman Reigns and people like that, and they're learning mm. from Cena. Really, they learned from someone with such an experience. Whereas yeah. the history of the sport has always been, you got to knock the old guys off. He said, and he and he said it. You know, you look at the and um, not the attitude. What's the attitude? It was um, Rufus aggression. Rufus oh, yeah. aggression era. Or if, if, I mean, you go back to that period. I mean, there are some key moments in like Batista and Randy Orton. But who are they learning from? That's why they had to stick Flair and Triple H with those yeah. kind of guys because there was no one else to, to hang around. Yeah. And I, I, I never looked at it like that. But I thought, God, if those other guys stuck around, I think the era wrestling might have been different. Probably. Um, because they would have learned from the, the, the people. But I tell you what, I miss from wrestling massively is the size of the superstars. I know it sounds really stupid. I'm not yeah. saying I'm that steroids but when you go and see a show when i used to see them they're huge uh, in terms of you you honestly you know even x Pac, and i saw him and i met him a couple of times he's not a, you think when he comes oh he's this small slant kid i'm mm. five eight i know 180 pounds he's massive and he was yeah. like five and 230 pounds but he was massive yeah. and i said this is the thing the heavyweight division was always big people that you just monsters and i know vince always gets a uh, Tarnished with our, you know, the, the big monsters of the industry. But I, you know, I don't miss that. Are you, yeah. When you look at someone becoming champion, you're just like, mm. and Ray's amazing. Though. There's no, no, no doubt about that. Yeah. AJ's a bit more like HBK. So you have that guy, but it was a, amongst the monsters, HBK, mm. who was just so good he could be anyone. Whereas now I don't find there's that presence of a real big industry at the top of this yeah. card. But that's because I'm in an era again with Hogan. Goldberg and these kind of people. I, I, um, a few years ago, I went to uh, went to see a, a Global Force wrestling show when Jeff Jarrett brought it over here. At Wembley? No, I saw him in Exeter, literally like 10 oh, miles Oh, okay. Because he came down. So the there. original, original starts of TNA started at WWA. That was the, the original bones of the uh, TNA um, coming together. Oh, okay. The Bret event. No, no, I got, um, so Jarrett was there. Nick Aldis was there with Mickey James. Yep. Uh, Marty Skull was there. Uh, oh, I apologise. This is WWA. I'm thinking. No, you're. I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm thinking of WWA. Okay. Your well, global force. Global force. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking of WWA, which was the precursor for TNA years ago. Before, when Jarrett oh, okay. and yeah. the Indies were there. So, but yeah, I've, I've, I've that's completely right. gone. But yeah, so. He, um, so the one guy I met there who I already kind of knew of, but he, he sort of left an impression on me was Marty Skull with his, um, I don't know if you know his, his villain character. Yeah. So I knew him from a program that was on, I think it was on Challenge years ago. It was a British boot camp that TNA did. And they were trying, yeah. there's like a competition, they were trying to find the next star from Britain and whatever. Yeah. Marty Skull was on there. He's one of the guys on there. And I, uh, 
and when I saw him, I thought, you, well, you look a lot different <laughs> because it's a bit of a transformation. But when I saw him actually later that night actually come out for his match, his persona was harking back to the real characters that you used to see. And yeah. that's the one thing. Yeah, I saw Jarrett wrestle that night. Brilliant. That was amazing as well. But the one thing I came away from was the fact that Marty Skull was doing something different. I, um, I got quite into him. I got a DVD for Christmas of Marty Skull and his, his Ring, of Honor, Ring of Honor run on it. Yeah. Um, but the more I watched, I was really excited to watch it. And then I was like, how choreographed are these matches? They are literally doing the same spots and you can see them lining them up. They're not really hitting them. It's not believable anymore. Painful. Painful. Yeah. And I'm like, unfortunately, this guy is so good at his, his character. But when he gets in the ring, he's really good at what he does. But it's, it's so see-through. But that um, goes back to being everyone being rounded. Mm. It, it, having um, my brother's a big advocate for Dean Ambrose um, in terms of that whole throwback style and, and the way he does his psychology behind it. Mm. I used to hate Randy Orton. Was never a fan of Randy yeah. Orton until about and I don't watch it that much, but about last seven years, and I said he's the best work on in the company because he's not fast. He sells and he tells a story. Yeah. But everyone else around him is so different to him and he's so slow compared to everyone else. I don't think people appreciate how good he is and what he does in a ring as a throwback to being that. I mean, his attitude's always been a stinker and he's always, you know, he's got his own demons. But yeah. you're absolutely right. It's, I can't watch it. And, and it's like watch. And this is, again, it's, it's about the audience developing and they've done what wrestling's done is they've evolved for the modern people that watch wrestling mm. people that have played smackdown versus raw and are used to going boom, 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 and uh key spot key spot key spot finisher kick out finisher they've adapted and that's what fans want now yeah. and they've also adapted so wrestlers whether they do or not i don't know i don't don't do it myself but they know their videos or their matches are going to be condensed down onto youtube onto twitch onto twitter yeah. onto twitch and all these things and they want to make sure they get all the spots they want to get in for, for those 30-second clips. It's a bit like a footballer, like Paul Pogba from Man United used as, uh, you know, a name where you can watch a 90-minute match and put a 30-second compilation of the six best things he did in the match. Yeah. And that's what wrestlers do now. They're putting themselves out there to get their spot over. And they're all in, in agreement. Yeah. They're all like, well, you do this, you do this, I do this, I do this. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. You know, it's... It, the, I would be surprised if two wrestlers went out there now and didn't speak about a match and got in the ring and called it in, in the ring. I would be, and I might be wrong, but I would be really surprised if it was a match and we said, oh, we just went out there and we just, maybe something like a Jericho match with someone who yeah. is a proper ring general. Yeah. But if you said to yeah. me, right, well, it's going to be, I don't know, Roman Reigns versus an Uso, there's no way they haven't gone over that match prior. It's and, a lost start. It's, it's, it's yeah. a, you, you hear these stories I mean going way back like you know Savage and Steamboat and and whatever and um, I mean going back to SummerSlam 92 I suppose now Brett and the Bulldog um, I believe they planned they, they, they knew what they were going to do in that match but Brett had to choreograph a lot of that because Bulldog was completely off his head okay. you yeah. know and to be able to carve a match like that on the spot almost you know, with those difficulties. I don't think you can do it now. I, can't do, I don't think you can. I, I can't imagine anyone who can, unless, like you say, you've got somebody who, who is one of the more aged and experienced ones. I think Jericho doesn't really look the part much anymore, but he, he, he is there and he's doing what he's always done. Yeah. His influence is undeniable. 
Really? I think we come up, the, the, the issue is, is very careful to do it, is to do it, say it in a way, and, and again, I'm taking on the Joe Rogan thing, so this, you know, but I'm going to say something, they're going to go, he's a bitter old man. He said, but I've been there, done it, and, you know, I left how I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a fan, I'm very cautious of not coming across as bitter, because it's, it's not bitter. I'm older. Mm-hmm. Um, things I like have changed. And therefore, but there's a, a lot of fans. It's like the TV reigns of WWE in the, the you know, the 10.1 days and the 9.9 days of, of, I don't know, 15 million fans watching the show. Yeah. And now you look at it and it's like 2.1. It's getting what WWE's, I think they got worse than what WWE's worst ratings were. Yeah. And the conference call just gone. And it's, it's completely right. They keep asking, oh, you know, the numbers for the shows is really poor, like the, the, the viewing figures. And as he said, he said, our social media is massive. And, you know, people are consuming the product completely differently. They're not, they're not going to sit down for three hours and watch a Raw, or 1.1 million people might sit down and watch three hours. But 13 and a half million people are watching the clips on YouTube and the clips on Reddit and all the other stuff that comes with it. They've just adapted to And that's one thing I can't criticise. They, they know their audience better than we do. Mm. And, you know, three-hour Raw is a nightmare, and I don't know how anyone can ever watch three hours of that nonsense. But... <laughs> No. But it's not, it's not catered for that. It's, it's catered to give us as much money as they can get for producing as much original content as they can, yeah. knowing that they can get a baseline of viewing figures, but say to the media companies, well, of Twitter with your show, it's got 15 million likes in the last hour. Mm. So it's, it, it, it's a lost art. It, it, I try not to be bitter, but it's, just, it is, it's sad. Yeah. It is sad. It's just changed. The, the, Again, I can only use the football again as, a, as, a, as an example. Al. Football isn't a sport anymore. It's a business yeah. at the top level. Mm. Wrestling isn't wrestling anymore. It's a corporation at the top level. Mm. And that goes in with wearing suits to events, with how you handle yourself from A to B, what you do in your pastimes outside of that, not having, you know, there's so much control over it. Mm. Can you imagine them trying to do the stuff, all the stuff they're pulling out in the 90s with Austin Rock, these people there at Undertaker is prime trying to say well you, you can't do this and you can't do that no they wouldn't you, you wouldn't have had an attitude era of, of, of most of the years but you definitely wouldn't have had the attitude era which to me is really what kept WWF relevant when they could have gone under because WCW yeah. was just all over them it was yeah. that era that really pulled them through uh, and won that war so yeah, yeah you know you can't sort of I get you know, certain things they've got to be more wary of, you know, chair shots to the head and that. They're a lot more aware of the damage it does. But there's other ways, there's got to be other ways you can do it, I would have imagined, where you can still have that feel without going completely PG. The thing is, what they've done, the PG era killed the business for people like me and you, who grew up in in an era where it was, you know, everything was happening. You didn't know generally what was going to happen from week to week. Um, But... John Cena is a very, very good example of merchandise outstripping viewership. Yeah. You know, Austin was the, I mean, I don't think I, you, everyone had an Austin shirt. Everyone I know had an Austin. Even if you were a wrestling fan, you knew who he was, you had a shirt. Yeah. But Cena's outsold him in, on, on merchandise yeah. because purely for the fact that it's kid rated. So every parent is getting hassled by their children. Can I get this wristband? Can I get this? Can I get this? And and the fans boom every week. Well, he used to boom every week when he was there. But he was selling merchandise left, right, and centre because they, they found their market in the PG sector and said, hold on, not only are adults going to buy this, but their kids are going to buy it and their kids' grandkids are going to buy it. So, again, it's, from the business point of view, planning masterstroke. But the PG era, 
yeah, the chair shots, I get, I get that mm -hmm. special occasions, but things like the power driver being banned, the things like the snake eyes in the corner being banned, mm -hmm. um, only certain wrestlers can use certain moves yeah. because it's not, it's their move now. There's just so many things that are wrong with how it, how it's perceived now. And, and as you said, I know the word spot monkey gets used quite a lot and I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just everyone in to get their spot. You, you, and you look at the Attitude Era, forget WCW for a second, but just in WWE, and you read off the names, like Val Venus, uh, Bob Holly, uh, Raven, people in that, that 90 period in the, in the lower mid-card, Dean Malenko. Their matches were always just five or six. You know, they're never going to get a nine or ten. If they were, you know, Dean Malenko was capable, but it was very slow, very yeah. certain style of wrestling. Yeah. And... But they all had a unique look or style around them that you could identify with Benoit, uh, William Regal. Mm. And definitely after the um, uh, Rufus Aggression period, definitely after that, you had a long period of about eight or nine years where everyone just seemed to wear shorts yeah. or pants rather, blue or red pants. No one had an identity or knew what they was doing. Mm. And I remember getting the SmackDown versus Raw. And I, and I was like, everyone just looks the same. They all look generic characters. Yeah. And you couldn't tell who was who. Whereas compared to then, everyone was identifiable, not just for their ring style, but they're just having the little quirks they might have in their attire. Just their little, you know, they really wear pants on, but they were burgundy. No yeah. one had burgundy pants. They're all <laughs> But it was his identity that you kind yeah. of asked William Reed. And I think, yeah, I think that you don't, it's so scripted. It's so, here's your character. That's what you have to do. And I think the biggest problem in WWE and Cesaro, I think, said it on an interview. Or maybe Vince said it on the Austin thing about the grabbing the brass ring and taking it yeah bullshit you can't grab the brass ring because you don't allow anyone to, to grab it no. anyone speaks that against you now you're kicked to the curb exactly. you haven't got a chance cm punk the, the, the recent most recent one i would say who came out and defined what they said and they loved it for a period of time but really and truthfully it pissed him off so much he left yeah you know roman Reigns should have come out john cena should have come out all these guys could have come out and said this is shit we need to start, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that. We're doing this. Yeah. You know, Austin, Rock, everyone had an opinion. Even Austin walked out, took his ball and walked out years ago. Yeah. Because he was vocal. Rock was vocal and a lot of uh, people losing to people. Triple H was vocal. Yeah. And now everyone's so happy to just receive their paycheck and be in the WWE. That's it. It's, it's, imp it's employment, you know. It, it, yeah. As much as they say they're not, they're independent contractors or whatever the phrasing is, they're yeah. acting like... They're, they're, they're employed, they're doing what their boss tells them to do, they are doing what they need to do to get paid. You heard about that happening in the 80s on, you know, uh, on the, in the territories, you know, the guys did things, lost matches, but they were going home with a paycheck at the end of the day. It was a lot more respectable back then. I mean, some of what these guys are doing these days is laughable. And the money they're being paid for it is like, you could go somewhere else and probably be, be paid decent amount of money for not really embarrassing yourself. Yeah, but you know, there you go. That's 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 today. That's a whole different rabbit hole we can go down, which I think we've we've already we've already started, and I think at some point we probably need to get back together and continue, because um, I reckon we could probably yeah. go in all kinds of directions with this. But um, what I find interesting is there's so many podcasts. Wrestling, I mean, I I don't listen to as many as I used to because again, podcasts have blown up now. Mm. There's just so many people in podcasts. Hard yeah. to find. Um, I, I, ones that I've listened to generally all based on wrestling WWE it's really interesting you don't ever find anything I mean uh, Bischoff had the 52 53 weeks podcast 
about pay-per-views and, and shows, yeah. which is quite good at the beginning. But then it became a bit... They, it was like ended up being three hours a sh- episode. It's just I yeah. couldn't do three hours. It's, it started off. It was interesting hearing because they were following a a, a a format of WCW yeah. at that time. That was brilliant. But then yeah, these just like Conrad's done with all of his other ones, that they, they're just <laughs> dipping in and out of all the all these different topics, which probably don't interlink. Um, yeah, I couldn't do it. But I was just surprised that I've, there's so many. There's attitude. There's just so many podcasts, and you're thinking, no one's got like a specialized WCW podcast. And I think. Mm-hmm. Why not? It's, and I've, I contemplate doing one myself, but the time involved in doing it, I just wouldn't be able to yeah. make it as good as I would want it to be as a, as a thing. As, well, I think, well, maybe, the, maybe there isn't enough viewership. Maybe people just don't, don't really care about it anymore. I don't know. I mean, I, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm in a few groups on Facebook, which is, you know, classic wrestling, 80s, 90s and all that. And there's so many people in there. There is a market for this people. There's so many that, whether they still watch it and they just appreciate the fact that it's been around for that many years, or you get people like us who like, you know, that was the best of it. And I'd rather immerse myself in that. There's always stuff that you can find out that you didn't know about. Um, yeah. There's probably a market for it. You know, probably the reason why I, I didn't want to do a wrestling podcast, which was like a review show necessarily, because I don't watch it anymore. You know, I, I just wanted it to be kind of a bit free running. This is what I remember. You know, I've mm. I've done some solo episodes where literally I just sit here and talk about an event or a year that I remember, and yeah. it really does take me back. Um, but no, I mean, I I I think you're probably onto something there. WCW podcast. If it's not out, well, there, you've got my number now. So you want to do an episode? You message me, and I'll do the research, and I'll try and put myself down memory lane, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, listen, mate, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Before we wind it up, um, you are a fellow podcaster. Um, and I just want to give you the floor. You know, I, I've started listening to your podcast. It is great. And anyone in the UK who is a, a football fan, a fan of the Premier League, again, from this era, needs to listen to yours. But yeah, you know, a couple of minutes, just, you know, plug. Where, where can people yeah. find you and, and why should they listen to you? <laughs> so we're on Spotify at the Phoenix Five Show um same as itunes i think you put it in the phoenix five show f-i-v-e um it should come up on there and it's just uh, five of us all went to school together um and we remember obviously again the best era and everything was the 90s um and during the first lockdown we had we all kind of had our whatsapp group before but it really excelled in that period it was doing football quizzes name games all this stuff came up and the banter on it is just you know it's, it's, you couldn't say the stuff we sell it's horrendous and the pictures that come across. But one of the guys just said, oh, we're really good if we can record this because this is like, you know, so funny and for our own memory to keep it. Mm. So I said, oh, let me have a look into it. We'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll have a look and we'll just choose some topics in the 90s. And I went online and looked and there wasn't really anyone doing anything on football in the 90s. So I said, well, let's, let's keep it to 90s and see what we can come up with. And yeah, just, it came from there. And we've, we've done, we didn't want to do just Premier League. We wanted to do a bit more about football in general because Serie A was quite big at the time with Football Italia. So we, we kind of said, well, let's start off with a 90s podcast about things we miss and what were better in the 90s. We've done like one in Serie A, which is Battistuta versus Del Piero. We've done a Champions League special. We've, we've, we've just recorded the SPL uh, Rangers Celtic episode, uh, which uh, drops on Wednesday. But yeah, it's kind of, Again, a bit like you saying, it's not about reviewing a match or a show necessarily. It's more of us just sitting down and, and talking about an, a topic and what our memories are. Obviously, a bit of research goes into it because you have to get some facts and figures so you, mm. you're not talking that nonsense. Yeah. But yeah, so if you like something, there's kind of five guys who just sit down and talk about what they remember of the 90s. 
then I think it's a, it's a, it's a good podcast to listen to. Brilliant. Well, no, I, I can, I can safely say as well. It's definitely entertaining. Um, well, thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Get on over anyone listening to this, especially in the UK, you need to check it out. Cause it's uh, brilliant. Listen, mate, thank you again. This has been awesome. I can't wait to do it again. You're definitely going to be one that I'm going to have back in some form or fashion. Fantastic. But um, well, I look hang- forward to uh, getting you back for the next show. Good cool, luck. Cool. No worries. Brilliant. Thank you, mate. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.